You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. The first Sunday of the new year, which means it's Resolution Sunday, Spiritual Lucia Sunday for us. I know you have all have, uh, this is one of the biggest services of the year because you feel guilty and you feel, people are like, I'm going to go to church this year. And so this is one of our biggest services every year. Uh, all the time, and uh, we do something today that's called spiritual solutions. Resolutions are things that we decide we're going to do kind of in our own effort to make ourselves thinner, stronger, more attractive, smarter, whatever. You all have your spiritual solutions. We've been thinking about them. Some of you are already failing in them because you haven't done them yet. And, uh, and what we decided a long time ago is that, man, we want to live life in a way that if God doesn't show up, we're in big trouble. We want to bite off every year just a little bit more or a lot more than we can chew so that God has to show up. And so uh, we created these things called spiritual solutions. You're not going to find it in a dictionary. You're not going to find it in any, anywhere because we invented it. And, uh, and basically what a spiritual solution is, is, uh, and that's what these white cards are for. And what we've done in the past is you write down, Lord, what is it that if you did this in my life this year, it would draw me closer to you. I, it, it would be a testimony that you're real, that you're alive, and that you're good. And, and that's how they kind of started. But this year, we're going to do something that's a little different. Because I believe this, and I believe scripture teaches this, and I believe that this is, a, this is like a, a natural as well as a spiritual principle, and it's this. As we grow as a church, so should what we believe God can do. As we grow as a church, and I talked a little, about, a little bit about this with giving. If you're giving today the way that you gave when you were a first believer, then that's not very consistent with how God grows us. Well, the same thing is true. The same spiritual principle is true for us. If we say that we're in adolescence as a church, if we say that we're no longer a baby, you know, we're, we're not only drinking milk, even though we're inviting people in all the time, they're new to their faith, they're new to Christianity. But if we are growing as a church, then our spiritual solutions should reflect that. And so the twist, and I'm gonna talk more about this at the end, whenever I get you to do it, I'm not gonna give it away now, is that there is an other implication, like an otherness to our spiritual solution. So it's not only about what is God going to do for me this year to make my relationship with him grow, but as he does that, how will it affect the world? Because the Bible teaches this, that Jesus is more excited about building his father's kingdom than he is about you or building yours. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that what Christ did on the cross was because of his obedience to the Father. And so as we grow and mature as a church, our response of experiencing God's love should go beyond ourselves. I want to start with a story this morning about a guy named James Robert Kennedy. Anybody know? What's his nickname? James Robert Kennedy, who is that? That's radio. Radio is a movie set in South Carolina. 
about a handicapped man finding freedom through the loving effort of first a local football coach and then an entire town. And what happens is, is there's this handicapped man that is walking with a shopping cart every day around the football field. And the team, a few bullies on the team, pick on him one time. The coach finds a special place in his heart to care for him. So he brings him on, kind of start helping the team. He's, then he goes into the school and he starts doing the announcements. And it's a story of redemption. It's a story of this handicapped guy as he's being loved, finding uh, life. And he's able to talk. He's beginning to experience love and love others and all these things. And as a result, the, church, the, the uh, coach faces persecution because the team goes 500. I mean, radio's on the sideline running on the field, getting yellow flags in the middle of the football game. And, he's, and, and, and some of the fathers of the team feel like the coach is distracted. Well, then he gets on the basketball team. And the same kind of thing happens. And so there's this persecution going on. And so the question when it gets difficult that the coaches ask is, why are you doing this? Why are you loving this person, sacrificing this person? Why are we going through all this? And his answer was always like, I don't know. Where is this going to lead? I don't know. And then one night when the father is driving his daughter home, um, they're sitting in his pickup truck, and he's been kind of neglectful, or not neglectful, but he doesn't know how to speak to his daughter He's a southern old guy, and he just has a hard time connecting with her. And he says, and he, and he stops before they get out of the truck. And he tells his daughter a story about when he was a 10-year-old little boy. And he says, I was a 10-year-old little boy, and I was on this paper, I had a paper route that I woke up every morning, and I did, five days a week. And he said, one day, I was going through this path, and I heard a sound, so I stopped my bike. And I got off my bike, and I heard the sound. He said, I thought it was an animal or something. And he said, as I began to follow the sound, it led me to a house. And he noticed that on the house was chicken wire and barbed wire encasing the whole bottom of the house. And he heard the sound coming from underneath the house. And then he saw, poked through the barbed wire, a hand. And he said to his daughter, he said, it was a person. It was a little boy who was enslaved, who was trapped, who was handicapped. And he said, for two more years, I rode my route and never did anything about it. The story of radio is the redemption of a coach who when he was a baby, when he was young, wasn't able to do what he knew he wished he should have done, he could have done. The reality for us as believers is there are things that Christ has put on our heart that we haven't been able to do, that we've wanted to do, we've dreamt of doing, but year after year, we just haven't done it. The promise of Christ is this, as we mature in our faith with him, as we choose to trust him a little more every year, and we mature in our faith, we begin to do the things we were always created to do, but haven't been able to.
As we grow in our love for Christ, we should love others more in Christ. As we grow in our freedom from Christ, we should bring freedom to others. As we grow in our experience of power in the Spirit, that power should transfer into bringing freedom to the life and in the life of other people. And what's happening spiritually is this, is you're not getting better at something. You're not starting to do something. What's happening is is you trust Christ more with your life. He begins to fill you up. And people see Christ in you, and they're drawn to him. So spiritual lucids, it's not what you can do. It's creating opportunity for Christ to do more in you as you cooperate with him so that people will see him living in you and be drawn to him. The story we're gonna look at that tells us is one of my favorite stories in scripture. It's in the Gospel of John. It's Jesus' first miracle. It's at a party. It's a wedding feast. And it says this. John chapter two. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine but you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Father, we pray that you would come now through the power of your spirit, that you would open our hearts to receive the word, that you would teach us what you're calling us to as your disciples, as your followers. Our desire is that as you fill us, we would fill the world with your love. In your name we pray, amen. So a little bit of background about what's happening in a wedding. I know it's a famous story. I know you, a lot of you have, have been taught by much better scholars than me about what's really going on here. And there's about a million points in this talk, okay? I'm only gonna focus on two. But the context of what's happening is instead of going away on honeymoons, what would happen in the ancient Near East is that they would have a party for a week, And they were treated like kings and queens, which is kind of cool, but not nearly as fun as a honeymoon, okay? But they were treated like kings and queens, and everyone would take off work, would make sacrifices to be there for this week-long party. And so to run out in the middle of the party would have been a scandal, would have been a train wreck, would have been a bad deal. Some people believe that John, this is John's wedding, the author of the book of John, and that, which would make Mary an aunt and Jesus a relative. That's why he was invited. And so this is like our family's dignity is on the line kind of moment potentially for Mary and Jesus. But the points that I want to focus on, the first one is this, is that Mary, whenever they run out of wine, 
Jesus, uh, you know, kind of says, you know, why? This is not my time. It's not, it's not the, and he's, ta- he's, for, he's foreshadowing or he's talking about the cross and what God's called him to do. But, uh, but Mary tells the servants, do whatever he says. Just do whatever he says. And the first thing I want to make a point about is this. Is, is what, if we desire to be who God's called us to be, we have to be willing to be obedient what Jesus is calling us to do. If, our, if we narrowed our spiritual solution to one thing this year, it would be this question. What are you telling me to do, Jesus? What is it you're telling me to do in 2014? What are you calling me to do in 2014? And if we did it, the promise is our life would be radically different. Our life would be filled with love. Our life would be filled with life. That's the message of this story. Just do it. Nike didn't come up with that. Mary did. Just do it. If Jesus says to do it, just do it. And if we just did what Jesus calls us to do, then we would see transformation in our life. We would see transformation in our family. We would see transformation. All the things we desire to have happen as a church, we would see. That's the promise of what Jesus tells us when we follow him and when we're obedient. I hope I'm not coming across as angry. I'm not angry. But we're in adolescence, right? We're beyond saying, hey, this year, let's just cuddle up close to Jesus, invite the Spirit to come and hope for the best. And when we encounter the warm fuzzies, that's enough. Are we beyond that? Yes, we are beyond that. As we encounter the power of God in our life, if we encounter the love of God in our life, if we encounter the Spirit of God in our life, we catch fire like we are singing in those songs. We become a light to the world. We become bread for the hungry. Not us, but Christ in us. We position ourselves for the kingdom in a powerful way. And in no way am I saying or diminishing the importance And the primary desire of our Father to first know his love and all of this to flow from him. And no way. Don't be coming at me with that after the church service is over. Hanley just wants us to do stuff. It's all about doing. But Mary says, do what Jesus says, and it'll be fine. It'll work out. He will show up. Things will be better. And when we hear obedience, we don't like to talk about that. We're all about grace. Woo. We're all about love. We love those things here. And that's what we're always going to be about at River City Church. But because we believe out of that flows life. But, our, but grace and love needs to flow out of us as well. And it won't. It won't. If we remove ourselves from culture, if all we do is soak, if all we do is receive. John Wimber said, if we're like milk, if we sit, we will sour. We are meant to sit and to heal and be restored and then be poured out. The second point is this. So the first point is, hey, we're going to ask Jesus to speak to us today. What is he calling us to do this year? And I'm going to be obedient and I'm just going to do that thing, whatever it is. We're not called to look at what other people are doing. We're not called to look at what other churches are doing. We're called to be led by the Spirit, to be in step with the Spirit, to follow the work of the Spirit. 
But the first step, once he speaks to us, is to be obedient in the disciplines of the Spirit. Reading the Word, praying, worship, soaking, all the things that we do, we provide, that we encourage you. That's the first step in being in step with the Spirit, after the Spirit speaks to us and leads us. And, and yet, I know, I know, I know it's more fun to talk about just like receiving and the warm fuzzies of grace and love and all those things. I know that that's how, because we kind of don't believe that there's life in obedience, right? We kind of believe like, well, if I'm totally obedient, that means I'm not going to be able to do these other things I like to kind of do over here. If I totally jump in with Jesus, if I totally, if I put all my eggs in the basket, well, there's these other things I kind of like. And I don't want to give those up. Man, have you, have you met anybody that's been like a Christian and like, man, my, I was, my life, it was, it was kind of bad before I met Jesus. But then I met Jesus and it just got worse. It sucks. My life sucks. I met Jesus. It was like down. No. I've never met anyone like that. When you meet Jesus, you experience Jesus, there's, it's like, woohoo, life to the full. I mean, it, <laughs> Mac. <laughs> Is that like a mating call? <laughs> to Jesus. And so we see this thing first in terms of obedience. How far did they fill the measuring pots up? How much, I mean, they filled them to the top, right? How much wine did they get back? As much as water they put into it. Obedience is measurable. It's like a relationship. You put in this much, you not only get this much back, but you get more is what scripture teaches us. But lots of us like to fill our water pot up halfway. I'm filled with Jesus halfway. I'm filled with him halfway, three quarters of the way. I'm filled with Jesus. And we wonder why people aren't like experiencing Jesus through us because they gotta look down like, where's the wine in there? You look like everyone else in the world because you're halfway filled with Jesus, not overflowing. So obedience it's not, directly recipro- it's not directly related, like I put in this much, Jesus puts in this much. But there is this sense of they got as much wine out as they put water in. Jesus said, fill it up. And so they filled it up. And they got that much wine in our life. If you want to live a life of like half happiness and half Jesus filled, then invest half of your life with Jesus. And then you'll be kind of like lukewarm. There's a whole other passage and story about that. But the second thing, we have to believe this, that Jesus is exciting. Following Jesus is the best life possible. He came to give life to the full. And this is such a part of who we are as a church. And our, we want you to be motivated by blessing and hope and love that comes from Jesus Christ. He filled the pots up with the best wine. He turned a party, you know, a party that was dying into the best wine, the best party ever. Here's the promise of Christ. Your lives without me are like empty pots filled with feet water. That's what you're like without me. You're like a pot 
that's filled with ceremonial religion without me. Your life is empty without me. Your life doesn't taste good to anyone without me. Your life without me is boring. Your life without me is like dirty foot water. That's what your life is like without Jesus. But with Jesus, it's like filled with wine. He takes what was ceremonial religion, these pots, and he turns them into the center of the party where people are coming to taste the best wine. That's what we're meant for. We're meant to be filled with Jesus. That people come to us and they experience the best life. Man, what a year it would be if we were filled with Jesus to the top, pursuing Jesus with all in every way that he calls us to be, cooperating and after his heart, worshiping him and praying to him and seeking him. And we go to, everywhere we go, it says the kingdom of God is within us. And we do. People are like, there's light. When you walked in this dark place, there was light. When I got around this person, I felt fed. I was speaking to them, and it was like everything they said salted the earth. I'm not making this stuff up. I didn't even say this. But this is the promise. This is the opportunity we're given with Jesus. We learn to trust Jesus by trusting Jesus with more. We learn to love Jesus by loving Jesus more. We learn to depend on Jesus by depending on Jesus more. There's no shortcut. Jesus loves us unconditionally, no matter what. But the desire that he has is to overflow in our life to transform the world around us. I mean, look at the very end of this. When we choose to devote our lives to Jesus, when we choose to grow up, to become about others, to become about building his kingdom, we transform the world around us, not because of our efforts, because Jesus is magnified within us. And as people see and experience Jesus within us, they are transformed themselves. It says in verse 11, this, the first of the signs Jesus did at Canaan of Galilee, and it manifested his glory, and his disciples believed. When the power of God comes in us and transforms us and heals us, and we become more loving, more patient, more kind, more joyful, less anxious, less stressful, less of the world, the world leaves. Jesus fills us up like he does those pots. He is magnified, he is glorified in us, people see that and they believe. That's what happened at the wedding that day. And that's the promise of what can happen in our life when we're obedient to Jesus. We pour all of ourselves in, put all of our eggs in his basket. We go all in with our poker chips. We jump in, okay, you get the picture I'm taking here. As we love people, sacrifice for people, pursue Jesus, he teaches us and brings us into freedom. We experience freedom the more we experience Jesus. And the whole time we think, I'm doing this, I'm pursuing him, he's teaching us, he's filling us with life. There's a point in the movie, powerful point in this movie radio, 
where the coach walks into the barber shop and they're all trying to kind of get rid of radio. His mother has died. They don't have a place to, to, to put him and they're trying to oust him. The town's trying to oust him and the coach walks in and they're talking about him being a burden. And the coach says, he's not a burden. We haven't been teaching him. He's been teaching us. We all know the radio loves us all the time all of us, all the time, more than we love each other part of the time. As they thought they were being obedient, or he was being obedient, trying to teach radio, radio was teaching and bringing life to the town. That's what happens with Jesus. When we're obedient, we're about his kingdom He's transforming ours. He's changing our life. He's bringing us more freedom. When we don't do this because we have to, because God won't love us if we don't, no. As we grow in our understanding and in our maturity as Christians, we realize this powerful point, this reality, that like, like that little boy who was trapped under the house, caged in and barbed wired in, so were we once, enslaved to our sin, broken, needing a savior. And Jesus didn't ride by for two years. And Jesus stopped. He died on the cross, and he rescued us. Why do we really do this? It's because he's done it for us. And as we experience the love he has for us, the sacrifice that he has for us, the desire that he has for us to find freedom, then we are compelled by that love and that sacrifice to do it for others because we have experienced it ourselves. This year in Spiritual Solutions, we're going to begin with that question. What's, the way this is going to happen is you all have a card and you all have a pencil. But we're going to invite the band to come up and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. What is it, Jesus, you're calling me to this year? Start with what's on your heart. Show that slide, Kevin. Start with what's on your heart. We're still being led by the Spirit. We're not starting a formulaic, you know, something, something right now at River City Church, okay? Begin. What's God saying in your heart? What's your heart's desire? Where are you enslaved? Where are you not experiencing freedom and life? Begin there. Begin where God is opening your heart to grow and to be transformed. All right? Write that down. That's number one. Okay? Don't do it now. Just wait. Number two then is, what am I going to do? How am I going to obey what God has called me to do as a believer to give my chance, the best, give myself the best chance of experiencing his love and his healing? This is our, this is our part. Where the Bible talks about us cooperating with God. That's a whole other talk. But what is God calling you to? What is Jesus saying to do to experience this? Okay? Is it, more, is it going to ignite and experiencing more worship? Is it going to soaking on Monday nights? Is it prayer? Is it spending time in his word? Is it giving more graciously? Is it growing in the Holy Spirit? Is it you know, joining a city group? What is it based on what God said in your heart that you feel like you need to participate, cooperate in as a growing, mature Christian and the disciplines of our faith, what is it that God's calling you to do? Because here's the reality, again, 
I want God to use me as an evangelist. And you lock yourself in the bedroom the whole year and don't see anybody. God was unfaithful again. I knew it. He doesn't love me. Or God, I want God to use me to heal people. And then we never pray for anybody. I pray for you from afar. Kevin, be healed. Where the model is much different than that, we approach people, we lay our hands on them, we ask them if we can pray for them, and we actually pray for them. Is it our power? No, it's God in us. But we're called to cooperate. I feel like, okay, and then the third one, I'll give you an example. How will, God, how will I glorify God when he responds to me? Bring people to him, okay? So when God moves in my life, what is it that God's calling me to then to bring this to someone else? Who might God be calling me to? What ministry might God be calling me to work in, to be a part of? What are you passionate about? You know, our most powerful healers at River City Church are people who have been healed. The most powerful, our intercessors are people who have seen God move in intercession. People who are great and have a heart for serving in our church usually have a testimony of being served somehow or have seen ser serving somehow. So those are the three things, okay? So you might, here's an example. You might be saying, I really want to experience God's, more of God's love this year. I need to experience more of God's love. I'm angry all the time. I'm disappointed all the time. I got no joy. I need to experience more of God's love, okay? So you write that down. I want to experience more of your love, number one. And then number two, well, how do we experience God's love? Well, there's lots of ways, but what would the Spirit be saying to you? What's that? How's your personality shaped? For me, I really experience God in throwdowns and dancing around worship with the lights turned off and you're not here. I hear most clearly from God in those times. Does that mean that I don't read the word? No, but when I need to be filled or experience God's love, I know the way God has shaped my heart, what that looks like. Now, that's not the only way, but it would be silly for me to say, I want to be filled with God's love and a greater experience of him and then not include having a throwdown once a week on my card. Some of you are very analytical and kind of linear people and you love the word and the word is how God speaks to you. I don't ever feel God antly. And then it's like, well, what about, what about when you read the Bible? I just start to weep all the time. Well, that might be where you start to experience God's love. Does that mean that you don't do these other things? And, no. Or, you know, I mean, again, like it's, it's all together, but how has the spirit shaped you to respond to grow in this area that he wants to grow? And then thirdly, oh my gosh, I've spent time in the word. I had a throwdown. I've been healed. I feel so much of God's love. And I have this burning passion to save the youth in our church. Sean Kelly, will you let me work in the youth department? I want to go, as, God, as, I'm, as I'm filled up, as I'm filled with God's love, where does it go? Where do you want it to go? You get to choose. Where's the passion? What are you passionate about in the church or outside of the church? So those are the three things that we're going to look at this year. Believing that as we are maturing and growing as his children, we not only experience his love, we allow that love to come and transform us and to bring healing. We cooperate in the journey with God, with the spiritual disciplines, reading the word, praying, soaking, worshiping, going to ignite, going the extra mile with Jesus, expecting that that 
is where life is found when we're all in with Jesus. And then as we are all in and we experience the flowing, the overflowing of his blessings in our life, we look for opportunity to pour that out on other people, not wait for that to happen. We look and then we help make that happen. We participate in the development of our heart with God and then in the building of the kingdom with Jesus. So right now, if you don't have a pen or a piece of paper, just raise your hand and Jody will make sure you get one. I'm gonna pray for us, invite the Holy Spirit to come, and this is between you and God. What we're gonna do this year is different. We're not gonna turn these in, okay? Listen up. You're gonna write down these things, you're gonna take them home, and you're gonna put them on your refrigerator, or you're gonna put them someplace you see them, on your bathroom mirror, or you're gonna put it in your Bible, unless you don't read the Bible, then don't put it there. Put it somewhere, or maybe you put it in the Bible to make you read the Bible. But you take it home, and then when God does it, you bring it back, and you do it as a testimony. And you put it in the offering as a thanksgiving to what God has done in your life this year. Our expectation is that Jesus is in love with us, that he wants us to find life to the full in him, and that it happens as we pursue him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. Father, we pray that you would come now through the power of your spirit and that this would be a year where you fill us to the top, that you would fill us with your spirit overflowing, bring healing and transformation in parts of our heart that we haven't been healed and that you would call us to things that we've desired to do, but because of our immaturity and our faith or because we've been young in our faith, we haven't been able to do. We pray that this would be a year that you grow us, Lord, and that we would transform our church, our communities, and our families as a result of your faithfulness. As you are glorified in us, people would come and they would taste and see that you are good as they see you in us. Come, Holy Spirit, now and speak to us. We thank you. Just come now, Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts. So in a few minutes, I'll come up and we'll begin ministry.